This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv. Hey, my name is TJ, and I'm one of the pastors here. We're so glad that you're with us. Um, Today, we're just, uh, we're doing something a little bit different. You know, last week, how many of you guys enjoyed Pastor Randy Bizet last week? Did you guys enjoy that? Yeah, he was all right, I can tell. Um, and so, uh, hey, I, I heard, honestly, I heard last week some people were like blown away by what Pastor Randy said and how he shared about the call of God and that, man, we got to take some steps of faith in order to enact that call that God has for our lives. And a lot of it starts with, with how we're speaking and what we're saying and, and those types of things. And so, man, I'm, I'm really, really honored that you guys got to hear my pastor and a little bit of his heart. And, and I just love him uh, unconditionally. He is just an incredible guy who's had a huge huge impact in my life personally. And today, um, I just wanted to kind of take this week and next week and just share some things that, that are on my heart uh, that God has been just just dwelling and just putting inside of me and just reminding me of and just challenging me personally on. And in this week in particular, I feel like um, what I'm going to talk about is, is very uh, relevant to a lot of people's lives because of the phone calls that I was getting while I was on vacation and the, the things that were happening in people's lives. I mean, just absolutely ridiculous things from, from people on our missions trips that are in hospitals right now having possibly appendectomies to, to people that are in uh, crazy accidents um, that, that uh, have broken people's necks to, to just people that are getting diagnoses with cancer that are having all kinds of crazy things happening in their lives. And it seems like the world is just kind of caving in all around them. And, and this is what I know is that, um, you know, there are times in our lives where we encounter some difficulties, where we encounter some, some obstacles that just seem so insurmountable and so overwhelming that we don't even really know what to do. In fact, we have a saying in our English language that there are times in our lives that there, it seems like we get backed up we get trapped, and, and it's almost as if our backs are against the wall, where there's, there's nowhere to run, there's nowhere to go, there's no place to hide. I talk to people all the time, especially over the last week, that, that say, you know what, my back is against the wall vocationally. You know, this, the job that I'm in is just not going well. In fact, it's had ups and downs, and, and we've been laying people off, and I think I might be part of the next layoffs, and I don't know what to do. And I, I feel like my, right now, for my life, my back is against the wall, and I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to turn in this moment. I know some other people that are facing some, some health difficulties right now, and they're going through some things, and they've gotten some diagnosis here, and they're, they're saying, you know what, I, I thought it was perfectly healthy. I thought that this thing had passed away. I thought that this had gone away, but yet here I am again with this diagnosis, with this thing, and I feel like, man, I'm backed into this corner, and I don't know what to do in this moment. There's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to turn. There's nowhere to hide in the moment. There's some of you that are, you know, we just finished up this huge relationship series. And even in the midst of all that, you are still going through some huge difficulties relationally right now. You've got some things that maybe have happened this week that you found out about your relationship. And, and, and you're looking around and you feel like, man, my back is against the wall in this relationship. There's some, there's some things that have just seemed so overwhelming to me right now. 
And, and how we respond in these times, how we, how we respond to the situations, I believe in these situations, in these moments of our lives, are going to determine where we end up. And I know exactly what this is like. There's been so many times in my life that I feel like my back is against the wall. I can remember right in the beginning of our marriage, about year three, um, my back was against the wall. I can remember being at work with my stepdad, and we were doing some remodeling of, of, of a person's house, and, and uh, just, just getting away and, and trying to get my mind off of what was happening at home because home was a mess. You know, we we'd gone through the first year of marriage. They said, man, if you make it through the first year, the second year is the, is the year that was difficult. But for us, the second year wasn't difficult. Year three was the year that all of a sudden, all the crap hit the fan. And you know, when crap hits the fan, it splatters everywhere. And I was looking around our life, and I was looking around our relationship, and everything was a mess. It was like we were married, but yet we were roommates. And I remember sitting there, and, and, and I was peeling wallpaper off in this bathroom, and, and I just saw my marriage just falling apart as this wallpaper was falling off. And I came to this realization that in that moment, my back was against the wall. And in these times, it's not easy, it's not, it's not fun, it's not something that's pleasurable. I mean, most of the time, man, these are some really, really difficult times. And we're not the only ones that are facing these difficulties. I mean, people have been facing these kind of difficulties all throughout life. In fact, in the Bible, there's a story of, of the children of Israel, the Israelites. They were in the same predicament that a lot of us find ourselves in, whether it's vocationally, whether it's financially, whether it's in our relationships, whether it's in our career paths, whether it's, whether it's with health issues. They found themselves in the exact same spot that maybe you find yourself in to, here today. And if you want to turn to your Bible to Exodus chapter 14, that's where we're going to be hanging out today. We're going to be looking at a story um, concerning a guy named Moses. Maybe some of you guys know the story. Maybe you watched the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston, or maybe you saw the Prince of Egypt. But let me kind of just give you a backstory of what's happening, uh, and, and we'll jump right in. Basically what's happened is, is, is Moses is in is, in, is far away, he's in the desert, God shows up and speaks to him and he says, listen man, Moses, I've called you to be a deliverer of my people. I've called you to, to go out and deliver the children of Israel who are enslaved to the Egyptians that are in bondage to all these things. They're free and I've got a purpose and I've got a plan for their lives and I want to see God do something absolutely incredible within them. And so I'm, I want to use you to deliver them from the rule and the reign of the Egyptians. And Moses is like, oh man, that's, that's crazy God. I don't know that I can do that. And he says, listen man, I've called you and I've equipped you. And so he goes and he goes to Pharaoh and says, you know, if you saw the movie, he says, Pharaoh, let my people go. You know, if you saw the Charlton Heston version, I don't remember the prince of Egypt version, but basically it goes something like that. Pharaoh goes, okay, and then he kind of backtracks. And so this happens 10 times, and all these plagues and all these horrible things happen. And finally, Pharaoh's like, listen, you just, all this junk has happened. Y'all can go. And so the Israelites on the way out, because they wanted them gone so bad, they were able to take all this gold and all this silver and all the, the best of the best of Egypt, and they're like piecing out, and they're rolling out, and they're going to their promised land. The only problem is, is all of a sudden Pharaoh realizes that his greatest asset, his entire workforce, has just left Egypt. And he's got all these buildings to do and all these things going on. And so all of a sudden, he's in this predicament of recognizing that, man, he just lost his entire workforce. And so as the children of Israel are making their way to the promised land, 
they go a different way than most people would normally choose. They choose to go down by the way that God called them to, which is down towards over the mountains and towards the Red Sea. And, and in this time, Pharaoh goes, oh, no, man, I've got to go get these kids. I've got to go get this labor force that I've just about lost. And, and so he takes off with his entire army. And the, and the children of Israel, it says there was about 1.5 million men is what scholars believe that there were. So that probably means that there were probably about 5 million in total men and women and children. That's a lot of people that are a labor force for you. And all of a sudden, they're gone. And so they find themselves uh, at the Red Sea, and all of a sudden, the, the armies of Pharaoh are surrounding them, coming all around them, and they find themselves in the same predicament that a lot of us are. They look around, and they go, oh my gosh, our backs are against the wall. Oh my gosh, we're in a, we're in a predicament where we don't really know what we're going to be able to do, and this is what happens, and this is how they respond because I believe that the way that they respond in this story is the same way that a lot of us respond to the situations that we're facing right now. And this is what it says in Exodus chapter 14, verses 10 through 12. It says, the Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And right here, the, the, they're, they're being delivered. They've seen God do all this miraculous stuff. They've seen all of these things happen in their lives. But yet, all of a sudden, trouble is coming their way. And how many of you guys know that trouble always seems to come our way? It doesn't matter how good we are doing. It doesn't matter how great life is going at the moment. It seems like just around the corner, there's always a little bit of trouble just creeping up on us. Always just coming up when we're least expecting it. And that's exactly what's happening to them here. And how they respond in this moment is so critical because I believe the way they respond is the same way that you and I respond. And one of the ways they responded is, is man, they just get scared. How many of you guys know, man, when we're in fearful situations, one of the, the first things that we do or we're in difficult situations is, man, we just get terrified. And, and this is what I found is that the greatest enemy to our faith is our feelings. And our feelings always have this tendency to lie to us. I, I read this, the, something that Andy Stanley said in a, in a connect group that I'm in. He, he said this, he said, feelings are great followers, but they're horrible leaders. And what happens to us in our lives is our feelings start coming, and all of a sudden, man, we get terrified. We start freaking out in the moment, and all of a sudden, those feelings that were, that were there that are great to follow us, but all of a sudden, they start leading our lives, and we're like, we're freaking out in the moment. We're scared to death, and we don't know what to do in that moment. I can remember uh, when I was 18 years old, I had the opportunity to go on a trip to Europe, um, with my parents and, and do some missions work and do some other things. And, and I remember I was on my way back. My parents stayed later, and, and I was flying back by myself. And I was flying from Paris to Gaul, which is by far one of the worst airports in the entire world. If you ever fly overseas, um, don't ever go there. It's, it's, if you can avoid it with all do it. Okay. Anyways, and so I was flying back, and we were flying actually into Miami International Airport. And, and when we were on our way back, um, about a, a I don't know how far out, maybe an hour and a half 
away from Miami International. You know, they, they typically come on the, over the intercom and say, hey, we're getting ready to start a descent here pretty quickly, and we're going to be landing. And uh, normally that's what you would hear at that point. And instead they said, listen, there's some turbulence in the area. There was a huge tropical storm in South Florida at that time. And they said, listen, um, don't be disturbed. Um, you know, there's going to be some turbulence coming up here. And, and so, you know, fasten your seatbelts. And, of course, you don't fasten your seatbelt in that time because they just say that junk. I mean, what, I don't really want to be locked in if the plane's going down. I want to get up, and I want to be free. And so, uh, and so, of course, I ignore that. And, uh, and so we're, we're flying along maybe about five, ten minutes later. All of a sudden, um, our plane, like, drops out of the sky. Like, have you ever been on the, the apex of a roller coaster, and all of a sudden it starts to go down, and your stomach stays up here, and the rest of you goes down there, and you're like, where did my stomach just go? All of a sudden, we drop, like, a couple of thousand feet, and, and everybody starts freaking out because when we drop, because we drop so fast, you know, the mask in the beginning, that they say, like, hey, take out the mask, put it over, you know, calmly. But if it, it doesn't inflate, it's, you can breathe it. There's oxygen coming through. Well, those things fall out. And, uh, and when those things fall out, people start freaking out, um, you know, because, because everybody thinks we're going to die. And, and so what happens, those things, we're dropping. All of a sudden, it starts to kind of steady out, and, and people are freaking out. The seatbelts that they did click in, all of a sudden, click, 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 click. All those things, you hear all the little snaps going off, and you see people getting out, climbing over other people to get to the exit doors because they're like going to swim in the ocean or something. And people are like cussing. You got people over here that were, that were booted that all of a sudden are crying out to Jesus. And, and I mean, it's, it's pandalarium. I mean, people are going crazy. They're just trying to get out. And all of a sudden, finally, the, the, the plane just starts to level off. And, you know, the shaking stops. And, 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 and I'm looking around, and, like, the people that are at the exit doors that were trying to get out and crawling over people all of a sudden are having to, like, walk back to their seats. And, you know, like, you know, the people that were, that were crying out to Jesus, you know, they're, like, looking around, like, did anybody actually hear that? And, you know, the people that were cussing other people out, they're, they're like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. And, and you know, like, people's reaction when they get scared, they become cray-cray. They do stupid stuff, don't they? And isn't it the same for us when we get scared? We make the worst possible decisions that we can in those moments. The reality was is that while all that was going on back there in the back of the plane, there were some pilots that were up front. They could see everything that was going on, that were maneuvering the plane through the storm so they could make sure that we would arrive safely at our destination. While the rest of us, we couldn't necessarily see what was happening, but we were just responding to the, the extra things that we couldn't control ourselves. And what happens for so many of us in life is that when, when, when we get our backs against the wall, when we get pushed up into an area where we don't have control any longer, what we do is we freak out and, and, and just go there and just get scared. And we miss out on the fact that, man, God is up there and he is in control. And while we can't see him and we don't understand what's happening, we don't know why we just had this dip or we don't know why we're backed in the corner, that he's in complete and total control of our situation. That's why Psalms 27.1 says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Who shall I fear or why should I be afraid? It says God is there protecting us from danger. So why should I tremble? And for so many of us, when we're in those situations, we got to remember, man, that God is there. And he's protecting us from the situation that we're in. 
A lot of us, a lot of us have the tendency to go and to get scared when we're in a difficult circumstances. For others of us, we have the tendency to blame others. It's a, for a lot of us, it's way easier to blame somebody else than to take responsibility for the situation we find ourselves in. For a lot of us, it's, it's way easier to do that. And that's why Moses said, he said, was it because there were no graves that you brought us in the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone and let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. But what they're basically saying to Moses is they're saying, listen, Moses, did you guys, did you just bring us out here because you thought that the land out here was cheaper for cemetery plots? Like they were kind of copping an attitude with Moses. They were kind of, they were kind of ribbing him a little bit like, what's up with this, Moses? I thought you were supposed to be the deliverer of us. Instead, you're out here and you're trying to kill us. And a lot of us, what happens is, is when we get into these, these, these opportunities for us to respond, a lot of us, how we do is we become sarcastic and we take jabs at other people and we have the tendency to blame other people. Because it's way easier to blame other people than it is to go and look towards a source of what's happening in our situation. It's way easier to point at somebody else and say it's their fault rather than, man, what's God doing in my situation? Or am I in the situation because it's my fault? Reminds me of the story of this couple that was on a honeymoon and, and uh, they, they uh, had arrived at their honeymoon. They'd just gotten married and the husband... Uh, he was trying to set the mood right for the rest of their marriage relationship. And so um, that night, you know, as they're preparing for it and, and everybody looks forward to their honeymoon night, um, he was kind of a big burly guy and, uh, and she was kind of a small, uh, frail uh, young lady. And so uh, before they were going to consummate their relationship uh, and their marriage, he said, you know what, I just want to establish something from day one. I just want to set the tone for the rest of our married life. And so what he did is he took off his pants and he was a bigger guy and so he probably wore like a size 38 or something and he said hey babe I, you see these pants I want you to go ahead and put these pants on and she's like put your pants on like we're not cross dressers and he's like listen I just need you to put the pants on and and so she goes and she grabs the pants and she's like these these are stupid and ridiculous I'm never gonna fit in these and so he's like just put the pants on just put my pants on and so she's finally she gives in to him and she's like okay I'm gonna put the pants on she puts one leg in she puts the other leg in and pulls it up and and she's like these pants look ridiculous on me they they don't fit me I mean they're just way too big I can't wear these and he goes that's right I want you to know right here and right now who wears the pants in this family, and it's me. And he sets the tone for the relationship, and she goes, wow, I see how it's going to be. And so she goes, and uh, she takes off her skinny jeans, and she goes, here, I want you to put these skinny jeans on. And he's like, I ain't putting your skinny jeans on. She's like, listen, you're going to need to put those skinny jeans on. And he's like, I'm not putting the skinny jeans. And she's like, you, you want some? And he's like, well, yes. And she's like, put the skinny jeans on. And so you know, like, immediately he starts putting the skinny jeans on, and he, he pulls up one leg to about his kneecap, and he pulls up the other one to his kneecap, and he gets them to about here. And he's like, I can't get in these. I can't get in them. And she goes, that's right, you're never going to get in those pants if you keep that attitude up. <laughs> Sometimes what we need is a change of perspective in order to have a change in our attitudes in life. Because changing my position 
starts with changing my perspective. And a lot of us, what happens to us is, is we start blaming other people because that's the perspective that we choose to take. And God's saying, listen, we got to start changing the perspective that we have because maybe the reason that you're in your circumstances, maybe the reason that you're in the process that you're in right now, maybe the reason your back is against the wall is because God is trying to do something in your life that he could know he would not be able to do until he got you to a place to where you're broken enough, to where you're desperate enough, to where you're willing to look beyond yourself and beyond other people and all of a sudden start looking to him and for a lot of us what happens to us is we just want to blame other people because that's way easier to do than looking to God and saying God what do you want to do in this and here's what I found is is the person that continually makes excuses and continually blames other people never steps up and makes a difference in life Because they're too busy blaming other people rather than stepping up and allowing God to do the thing that he wants to do inside of their life right now. And and this is for some of you that are out there because right now you're in a difficult circumstance and it's so easy to point the fingers at other people. And God's saying, stop stop pushing that off to somebody else and start stepping up to what I want to do inside of your life here today. Because I believe that God wants to do something absolutely incredible inside of you. The third thing that a lot of us do is we have a tendency to imagine the worst case scenario where we think that we're going to die. You know, the, the, the prophet Jay-Z said something, I've got 99 problems, um, and, and I'm not going to finish the rest of it. But the reality is, is for the majority of us, 98 of those problems are made up and never going to happen in our life. We start imagining the worst case scenario. We start imagining all these craziness and all these stupid things and, 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 and thinking, like, this is going to make a difference and this is helpful. But how many of us, by worrying, have helped our situation? When's the last time you, like, worried yourself to death and that was like, oh, man, that helped me out so much? Like, 100% of us said, never, Right? But that's what we do. We, we go and we look for the worst case scenario and we say, oh, man, that's what it's going to be. My, my, my stepmom is, a, is an interesting character. Um, my, my mom and, or my stepmom and my, my dad have been married for uh, about 20 years. And so I've, I've had a really interesting relationship with my stepmom. My stepmom might happen to be the most negative person I've ever met in my entire life. And, um, and, and so it, it's really interesting. And I talk to my dad like clockwork every Friday. He calls me every Friday at 3 o'clock on the dot every single week. It's like, if it's 3 o'clock on Friday, like, my stepdad's calling because he's going to tell me the latest news because he loves to gossip. And so it's really, really exciting. And, and so every week, my stepdad calls me up, and he likes to tell me what's wrong with my stepmom. Because my stepmom has, has fa- her favorite website on the internet is called WebMD. Anybody ever visited WebMD? It's straight up from the pit of hell. I'm just telling you that right now. Like, the devil invented WebMD and, like, gave it to us on a silver platter. He said, go ahead and visit it. And so, uh, like, every week she, she visits it because she she's constantly has all these major health issues. I've never seen anybody that has more health issues uh, made up in her mind than her. And, and so... So, like, every week he'll call me up and he'll be like, let me tell you what's happening with Nancy. Her name is Nancy. And I'll be like, well, tell me what's happening with Nancy. I can't wait to hear this week. And so I remember one week he started describing all these symptoms. And I was like, man, I'm just going to type all this stuff in. And so I started typing all these symptoms in. And I was like, I was like and I started looking and it said that, that my stepmom had testicular cancer. And I was like, testicular cancer? Like, I didn't even know she had testiculars, let alone testicular cancer. Like, how is that even possible? 
and, 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 and he's like, no, no, it's not that bad. I'm like, well, that's what happens when we imagine the worst case scenario. We always get going and going and going, and it keeps compounding and compounding and compounding, and, and we, it just makes things worse. In fact, I found a study that, that, that said this. It says uh, 90% of all health problems are related to stress. In fact, people who ineffectively manage their stress levels have a 40% higher death rate than non-stressed individuals. And three different 10-year studies concluded that emotional stress was more predictive of death from cancer and cardiovascular disease than smoking. And that's why Jesus said, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? Who of you by freaking out and imagining the worst case scenario can add a single hour to his life? See, the worry isn't the result of your problems. Worry is the result of you thinking that you can control your problems. And so many of us, what we're doing is by freaking out and imagining the worst case scenario, just like my stepmom, she's trying to control every single scenario of her life. And some scenarios are just absolutely out of our control. And so my question to us is, how should we respond today? Because I believe the way that you and I respond, the way we respond when we're stuck is going to determine where we end up. How we respond when our backs are against the wall, when we're in the most difficult circumstances of our lives, when we've just gotten the bad news, or we've just had the big fight, or we've just had the financial meltdown, or we just lost our job. How we respond in those moments is going to determine where our destination in life is. And so Moses, I believe, responds the way that you and I should respond when we're in difficult circumstances. And this is what it says in verse 13. He says, and Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm, and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. I think how we should respond is we should fear not. And here's my question for us is, is it possible to tame the wild and irrational thoughts that are go within our mind? Is it possible to take captive those things? Is it possible to grab hold of those things and, and, and do something with those irrational things that are flooding our mind? I believe a lot of us have learned to do this vocationally. You know, I've, I've talked to lawyers who are in difficult circumstances and are in major trial cases, and, and they have all these emotional thoughts, but yet they're able to clarify those thoughts, and they're able to, to go and use those things to help people win their freedom or defend their rights. I talked to, to mothers of three preschool children who, who somehow can chain those wild, irrational thoughts of like, I just want to choke my kid right now and raise that kid. And if a mom with three preschool kids or multiple children can do that, we have some hope. And all the moms are like, yes, yes, you do, because I haven't killed my child yet. And so it's all good. A lot of us have learned how to do this in our professional lives, but we've yet to learn how to do this in our spiritual lives. We've let, yet to learn how to not fear in those moments. And we just think, God, why don't you just take me out of my situation? And this is what I know, is a lot of times God isn't going to change your circumstances because he's trying to change your heart. And so many of us, we just want God, just get me away from the scary stuff. Get me away from the difficult thing. And God's like, no, I don't want to take you away from that. I want to change what's going on inside of you. And it starts with you seeing things differently. It starts with you understanding that I've got a different way of thinking. I've got a different way of processing things. And I learned this a long time ago when my parents took me to a Tony Robbins seminar. Any of you guys ever gone to a Tony Robbins seminar? Um, 
No, apparently not. Okay, never mind. T- Tony Robbins is is a is a kind of a a leadership guru, mental thought process guru guy, and uh, he 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 wrote a whole bunch of books like Unleashing the Giant Within and all these different things. And he talks a lot about the power of your mind. and And I went to this seminar actually down in the Miami Convention Center when I was 17 years old because my parents thought like we're gonna send him to every self help guru and maybe something will happen with his life. And so that's what they did. And um, and so I went to the seminar, and they make you spread out from all the people you know. And so uh, I'm 17 years old, and I'm at this thing with all these uh, adults and, and 20-somethings and 50-year-olds and 80-year-olds and all these different people. And it's super high energy. I mean, they get you so hyped up. And he's talking about, man, you have unbelievable power in your mind. And if you think it, you can believe it, you can achieve it, all this kind of crap. And, uh, and so they're getting you all hyped up. And they say, listen, tonight at the end of the night, man, we're going to do something amazing. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be unbelievable. And so they get you all hyped up, and then they say, okay, turn around and run out the back doors. And, and, and so I turn around, and I run out the back door because I was sitting next to this really, really cute girl. And so I wanted to be impressive. I wanted to get out there first so I could, I could show her what's up. And so, and so I get outside, and I walk up, and I'm like the first person in line. They have all these burning coals set up outside on the, the, the asphalt. And, uh, and they said, man, you're going to take power over your mind and your body tonight, and you're going to walk on hot coals. And I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> like, you might think I'm some dumb, but I ain't plum dumb. I mean, that's just stupid right there. And so, uh, and, and, and so like, I turn around to walk away, and that girl is right behind me, and I'm like, I'm walking on some hot coals. And uh and they said, this is what we want you to do. We want you to, to, to not focus on the coals. We want you to look at the end. Uh, of this this 20 yards that you're going to walk across. And while you're walking across, we want you to say out loud, cool moss, cool moss, cool moss, cool moss. And we want you to focus on the end game. We want you to focus on the end. And when you get to the other side, what we want you to do is we want you to wipe your feet and celebrate like crazy. You just break it down. And, and so I'm like, oh, man, this, this is going to be bad. And they've got, like, ambulances there for all the people that are about to burn their feet. And, uh, and so, like, I'm looking around. I'm like, there's ambulances here. They're, they're like, expecting us to get burnt. Um, you know, and all these things are flooding through my mind. And they're like, ready, go. And so I take off. I'm like, cool moss, cool moss, cool moss. I'm walking a lot faster. I'm like, cool moss. I'm, like, sprinting across these things. I get to the other side. I wipe my feet off, and I start going crazy because I just walked like 20 yards over burning hot coals. And at the end of that, like my feet did not get burnt. And I thought to myself, man, what power God has given us in our minds? What power God has given us in our minds? And I think about 2 Corinthians 10.5, and it says, we demolish every argument, every pretension. Uh, you know what that is? Every, every, every tension, all that stress that's in your life, right before that's going to happen, what God says is, man, we demolish that. And we make those thoughts, those irrational, wild, crazy thoughts, we make those things obedient to Christ. And if Christ didn't fear death, then why are we afraid of our situation? Because if Christ could overcome death in the grave, why do we not think that God can't help us overcome whatever obstacle we're facing in our lives here today? And so many of us, what we're doing is we're going through these exercises that God is putting us through. And it might not be walking on hot coals, but it might be a relationship that we're facing right now. It might be a health issue that we're facing right now. We might be facing some sort of insurmountable financial issue in these moments. And God is saying, listen, man, if you focus on me, don't take your eyes off of me. I will deliver you from this. 
But you got to get rid of all that stinking thing. You got to get rid of all the things that are telling you you can and it won't happen and it won't work and I'm going to die. And those wild, irrational thoughts that are not helpful to your life. It's time to rid yourself of them. Because 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and a sound mind. That means it's not a crazy mind. We're not thinking the wild, irrational thoughts. We're thinking clear thoughts. And if we're so busy focusing on our problems, how are we ever going to focus on our God? And so for some of us today, we're facing some difficulties. And, and today what we need to do is we need to take our focus off of our problem and put it on our promise. Which is what God has for us. So we need to not fear and then we need to stand firm. We need to stand firm. You know, going back to when we were in our, our marriage difficulty, that day that I was at work, I started breaking down. And, uh, and I can remember, I don't, I'm not a crier. I don't cry. That's not, I'm, not the, I'm the unemotional guy. I'm the, I'm the completely unemotional guy. It doesn't matter what's happening. You normally, I'll just have like a blank stare looking at you because you can be crying. It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, like dying, it makes no sense. Like none of those things, like it, it's like my wife, would think that, like, I'm the most heartless guy in the world. I, I, I feel for you. Like, I really do. I'm just not going to show it emotionally. And, uh, and I can remember sitting there, and, and I started crying. And it was one of the first times I can remember really crying in my life. And my stepdad saw me. His name is George. And, and he was like, man, T, what's, what's going on? And, and I started sharing with him. And, and I'll never forget what he told me. Because it's probably the single greatest marriage advice I'd ever gotten. He said, man, I just want you to go home right now. And I want you to stand for your marriage. Whatever you do, don't quit on it. Just stand for your marriage. And I remember going home and just standing for my marriage. You know what happened? Because I stood, God did the miraculous and healed my marriage. In fact, I found this this study that that showed that eight out of ten marriages that were rated on on a seven-point scale, meaning like seven was like the epitome of a healthy relationship, one being like we're going to divorce tomorrow. Um, Eight out of ten of the relationships, when they're rated at a one or a two, if they just stayed together within five years, they were rated to a five to a seven. You know what it told me is a lot of times the problems that we're facing that we want to run from, we just need to stand in. We need to stand in those moments. And this is what I know, is that for a lot of us, we think, man, I just don't have the faith to do that. I don't have the faith to do that. And I was reading the other day in Matthew 17, it says that if you have the faith uh, uh, of a mustard seed, and you say to this mountain, be thou removed, and it will be cast into the sea. But, and, and that's a great verse. A lot of people know that verse, and they say, man, if I just have this small faith, then I can cast things in the sea. But what they forget is the verse before that. Jesus actually says, because of your unbelief. Listen, you don't have to have a lot of belief. Even when you don't believe, if you'll just stand there, most of the time, like your situation is going to change. Our problem is, is when we're in a difficult circumstance, we run. We don't stand. And I think in that circumstances, can you imagine if 1.5 million men, up to 5 million people, all of a sudden just started running around? trying to run away from their problem, would they have succeeded, man? They would have been pure chaos. And that's exactly what we do in our lives. When we start running, we just create pure chaos. And I believe a lot of us, God is saying to you today, stand. Stand. 
Because the breakthrough that you need in your life that you think is, is on the other side of, of that mountain is really just a hill. And if you'll stand and you'll allow God some time, he'll remove that obstacle that's right in front of you. And so for a lot of us, we just need to fear not. And we need to stand. And finally, we need to expect God to help us. We need to expect God to help us. Because when our backs are against the wall, when we're in a difficult circumstances, I believe our true theology comes out. We either say God is for me and God is with me or I'm screwed. I'm screwed. And a lot of us, what happens is, is we're writing the story of our lives with a pen of fear, with a pen of doubt, instead of a pen of faith. Saying, God, man, I believe you can and I believe you will. And God, no matter what, I'm going to serve you and I'm going to stand and I'm going to follow you. And God, I believe that you're going to do something miraculous in my life. And today, I believe that there's some of you guys that are going through some difficult circumstances right now. And you're saying, God, where are you? Man, my back is against the wall. Man, I feel like the world is caving in around me. And there is nowhere to go and there's nowhere to hide and there's nowhere to be. And I don't know what to do right now. And I believe that God would say to you, fear not. Fear not. Man, stop being afraid. Stop being afraid of your circumstances because your circumstances are temporary. But what I've got planned for you is way bigger than your circumstances. Your circumstances are just a stepping stone to your destination. And if you'll stand and you'll stand on the promises that I've given you, because the whole premise of this story is this whole idea that God is going to deliver his people. And he says, man, I'm going to deliver you. And when we get in the midst of a difficult time, you know what we forget? We forget the promise. We forget to have this expectation on what God said when we were in the light. And all of a sudden we're in the darkness now. And we want to freak out in the darkness instead of going back to the light and saying, God said. That's why God says in Isaiah 43, 1 and 2, he says, Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I've called you by name. He says, You are mine. You're his kids. It says, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. Through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be scorched. Nor will the flame burn you. See, God doesn't say that we're not going to go through difficult circumstances in life. He doesn't say that the rivers aren't going to flood us. And he doesn't say that, man, it's not going to get hot. It's not going to get a little toasty. But he says, in the midst of all those things, man, I'm with you. And if we'll have this expectation on God and we'll say, God, man, I'm trusting in your promises, then you know what? Something great is going to happen in your life. The problem is, is most of us give up before we ever get to that point. Growing up, my, my mom um, was an incredible chef. She owned restaurants and bars and catering businesses. And, and uh, whenever my mom would cook, she would... Uh, she would always go over the top. In fact, we were, we were just in San Francisco, and we were walking by uh, one of the museums that were there, and, and I saw that uh, a Salvador Dali exhibit was there, who's a, who's a famous impressionist painter. And, uh, and I was telling my wife that I can remember as a kid, uh, Salvador Dali was at the, his, all of his collection was at the Sarasota uh, Ringling Museum uh, of Art and Design. And my mom catered this event and she made all of the food for that event look just like his paintings it's absolutely incredible 
and uh, they, they actually have pictures in, at the, the museum there of that because it was so real and lifelike and so every time we would have like a family meal my mom would go to like these exorbitant lengths to create these these place settings and these these tables that were absolutely incredible and and make these meals that would just make you make you want to slap your mama because they're so good and so uh and so i'd be like mom what's up you know and uh like that was awesome and uh and so i can remember you know we would eat these incredible meals and it was like a gourmet dinner every night and there'd be some nights where i'd be finishing up and and my mom would always clear the table that's just like i don't know if it was just bread in her to do that or whatever so she'd always be the first person up grabbing people's plates and taking them away and and uh and there was always these these days that were my favorite days because as she was clearing the plates and grabbing the, all the stuff off the table she would like lean over to me and she'd say tj keep your fork keep your fork and when mama said keep your fork she was about to take it to an h and a whole another level baby because what that meant at our house was that man something a little bit better something a little bit sweeter something that was going to blow your mind was about to come out of the kitchen and i'm here to tell some of you guys today they're going through some difficult circumstances i believe that god's at the table of your life and he's telling you to keep your fork keep your fork man I've got something bigger I've got something better I've got something sweeter and if you'll just hold on if you won't get up from the table and and go try to figure it out on your own and go try to make it on your own if you'll stay there man something sweeter is coming your way and today for some of you guys you need to hear that God's got something for you keep your fork keep your fork and watch God deliver you if you don't know the rest of the story, man, God shows up. He parts the Red Sea. He makes the impossible possible. And the obstacles that they were facing were all crushed by the very thing that was holding them back from their promise. The sea. And today, I want to tell you something, man. God can crush your problem in an instant. If you'll stand firm, if you'll fear not, and you'll expect and you'll wait for him to do his work. Let's pray. This is a Coastal Community Church podcast. For more information about Coastal Community Church, please visit coastalcommunity.tv.